in the house. Let's go ahead and start with a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come into your house and to worship and praise you. Lord, we ask for your presence to be in our presence this morning. Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know you, we pray that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, we ask that you would speak to our hearts and meet in such a way that, uh, Lord, we know that you're with us. Lord, thank you for what you're going to do. We give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor that comes from it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, Amen. Good morning. I'd like to ask everybody to get a handle then. We'll turn to page number 352, Look and Live, and let's stand on this first one. Look and Live, page 352. <laughs> Turn page number 365. I am thine, O Lord. Thank you. 
fellowship this morning. Just welcome everybody here. Hope everybody got plenty of fellowshipping. <laughs> then let's just turn to page number 333 then. Open our eyes, Lord.
That's what we want this morning, is we want the Lord's presence in our presence this morning. And I hope that you've already been blessed for being here in our church services this morning. If you're visiting with us, you are our honored guest. And uh, we want to uh, be a blessing to you. Let us know if there's anything we can do to be a help and encouragement to you this morning. Uh, I, I do appreciate everyone that uh, helped out this weekend. We had a, a long weekend um, with uh, the Bousman uh, wedding this week, uh, Friday night. And I appreciate everybody that was able to come out and celebrate with the Bousmans. And, uh, and uh, I appreciate everyone that was able to come out and enjoy the, the activities the, uh, that evening. Then the next day, of course, uh, Miss Judith, uh, memorial service. We appreciate everyone that came out for that. And then also, I, I, church, I appreciate your love uh, for our families in the church. Um, I know uh, I'm speaking for the McGinnises now. I know they appreciate every, all the cards, all the food that was held, all the help. Uh, they appreciate it, and uh, I appreciate it as pastor. We come together, and, and that's, I, I tell you, I, I don't think there's a greater church in this world. I mean, just the love that we have for each other. I mean, when one of us hurts, we all hurt. Uh, when one of us are rejoicing, we're all rejoicing. And uh, that's, the, that's the design of the church. God, that's the way God intended it. And so I thank you, church, for being involved in such a great manner. They felt your love. Uh, I know that they did. And so um, I appreciate everybody that was active. Uh, I know Miss Melinda done a lot. She's not in here at this time, but she done a lot. And I appreciate, uh, don't tell her I, do, I appreciate her because she just... But anyways, I do appreciate Miss Melinda and, and all that she done organizing uh, the things. And I know Miss Kimberly does as well, and Brother Sean. Um, it was a good service, a good service. One lady raised her hand for salvation, and so we we rejoice in that. And I know I can tell you this, Miss Judith is rejoicing in heaven. Yeah, just over one, and uh, the angels are rejoicing in heaven. So uh, we we uh, got to talk a little bit to the person and. It was, they do believe they got saved, and so uh, I, I encourage you to pray uh, for this this person. Uh, no one knows him in here. McGinnis may know her, uh, but uh, anyways, you you continue to pray for uh, the seeds that were planted yesterday, and uh, I know God will will do a great and mighty work there. I'm going to invite you to Mark chapter number two. Mark chapter number two. The Lord put this on my heart. As you know, just uh, dealing with some of the activities that we have in the last few days, and uh, let me ask you a question: Does and by a show of hands, does anyone in here know? Does do you do you know anyone in this? Uh, does anyone know someone that needs the Lord? Oh, okay, every you know that's fascinating. Every one of us raised our hands there. We know someone that needs the Lord. It may be. Uh, it may be a, a sickness, it may be um, you know, emotional needs, it may be spiritual needs, it may be for salvation, but can I tell you, there's, everyone needs the Lord. We all need the Lord. And, uh, but not everyone is aware of their need. Or even if they are aware, they may not be capable of getting to Him. They may not know how to, to, to speak to the Lord. They may not know. And that's where we come in. As Christians, in Mark chapter two, this is a very familiar portion of scripture. I love this portion of scripture, and uh, we read of a man that was brought to Jesus by his friends. This man had a great need, and his friends knew that only one there was only one that could meet those needs. There was only one that could uh, to take care of him, and his name is Jesus. I know that each and every one, every person in this room knows someone that has a great need. Again, it may be a financial need, it may be a physical, emotional, a spiritual need, but we all know someone that needs the Lord. And can I tell you, there's only one that can meet their needs. Uh, as much as I would like to help other people, as much as I'd like to be able to, I can only do so much. But God is unlimited in His love and His mercy and His grace, and God can take care of those needs. I may, I'm limited, but God isn't. And so uh, I remember a phrase that my pastor used to say, my old pastor used to say, he used to say this, friends bring friends to Christ. Friends bring friends to Christ. Uh, as much as we have this thought in our minds that 
it's so difficult. You ever realize this, that it's so difficult to, to win our friends and our family to the Lord? Have you ever thought about that? It's like, why is it so hard to win our friends and family? Well, a lot of people say it's because they know us. They know us. They know the real us. You know, it's easy to go out and knock on doors and tell people about the Lord because they don't know us, right? But our family and our friends, they know who we were before we got saved and who we are now. And so I don't believe that it has to be hard. I don't believe that it has to be hard. You see, you have a great opportunity that I might not have. There's people that you come in contact with every day that I will never see in my life. And I can't do all the work. That means you have to do your part. Many times we're afraid that if we invite our friends and our family to the church, then they will think that we're some kind of fanatic and, and never like us anymore. You ever thought that? And if I invite them to church, they'll think I'm some kind of Christian fanatic or something. Uh, well, you know, invite folks to church. I remember when I was lost, you know what it was? It was a friend that invited me to church. I met with this friend this last week and had lunch with him. He's not serving the Lord anymore, really. And he told me the other day after we had lunch, he said he was nervous. I said, what are you nervous for? And he said, because I converted to Catholicism. And I was like, What? He said, well, I just, he said, I was nervous because I was afraid you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to have anything to do with me anymore. And I said, oh, no. I said, I love you. That doesn't matter. I said, you're God's instrument that God used to get me in church, and I'm saved, and I'm serving God now. And it was because of God using you in my life. And uh, I said, I don't think it's a wise decision, but I'll pray with you and, and things like that. But the thing was this, it was a friend that brought me to church. You know what? It was a friend that led me to the Lord. And uh, I'll tell you that although my, that friend isn't uh, really right with God, I don't believe, but I can tell you this, that um, I'll never forget the fact that he cared enough and invested in my life. What I'm trying to say is this, is that if you're a real friend, you want to bring your friends to Christ. Now, you can't save them. That's the Holy Spirit power. That's the one that says, Holy Spirit saves people, but it's your responsibility. God's command to us, His commission to us is to go ye therefore and preach the gospel to every creature. Go to all the world and share the gospel and tell people about the Lord. And I want to I give you a three uh, thoughts this morning on this from this text in Mark chapter number 2. And on this thought, bring your friends to the Lord. Bring your friends to the Lord. Let's read Mark chapter number 2 verses 1. It says, and again he entered into Capernaum and after some days it was noise that he was in the house and straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them and they come unto him bringing one sick of the palsy which was born of four And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when he had uh, broken it up, when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the kin, uh, where they had broken it up, they had let the bed down wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sin but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk. But that, they, that, that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on the earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he rose, took up his bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed, and glorified God, saying, Where we never saw it on this fashion. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, again, thank you for 
your love, your mercy, and your grace. Thank you for the opportunity to share your word. And Lord, I pray that it will go on good ground to this morning. Lord, that we would be challenged to bring our friends to the Lord. And Lord, I pray that you just do a great and mighty work that only you can get the glory for. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to give you three things, three thoughts about this text. Bring your friends to the Lord. Hey, when you bring your friends to the Lord, you'll notice the presence of Jesus. Notice the presence of Jesus. Look there in verse 1. It says, And again he entered into Capernaum, and after some days it was noise that he was in the house. He was in the house. You see, when God is in the house, his presence is a reality uh, in the house. He's everywhere. He is God, and he is omnipotent, and he's omniscient. And, of course, that means that uh, there's no place that we are that God is not. Uh, One of the great and precious promises that he has given us is that he will never leave us nor forsake us. That means when he abides in our hearts, he is with us. When we're doing what's right, God is with us. When we're doing the things that we shouldn't be doing, God sees those things. He's with us. You see, he sees every television program that you watch. He hears every radio station you listen to. He knows every deed, our thoughts. He knows our words. He knows our hearts. If we want to win our family and our friends to the Lord, we must recognize His presence in our lives. We must recognize His presence in our lives. And His presence should be a reality to those that are around us. Why is it so hard to win our family and our friends to the Lord? Why is it hard, so hard to invite people to church? Because they see that the presence of God isn't a reality in our lives. Now you think about that. Why would want someone want... To be in a relationship with the Lord when we act like the world. We're no different. You see, His presence must be reality, but also His presence will be resignated. There in verse 1 it says, And it noise that He was in the house. When He's in the house, His presence needs to be resonated and seen in our lives. Does your family and friends know that Christ lives in you? Do do they know? Is it a reality to them? They say, hey, you know what? He's a Christian. There's something different about him. Do they know that you're a Christian? Does anybody know that Jesus is in your house? I read a story of a man that got married and he invited his father into a Christian man that got married. He invited his father to his house. And uh, he expected that his dad would be proud of Uh, The homemaking decisions that his wife did, the decorations and stuff, it was all uh, nicely arrayed. And and he said, Dad, what do you think? His dad said, I suppose it's all right, but there's nothing in this house to let anyone know that Jesus lives here. As a result of his father's uh, comment to make sure that everyone would know that Jesus was in his house, that Jesus was a part of his life, what he did is he put something in every room, a scripture, something that resembled Christ. That's what we've tried to do in our life. You know, if God is a part of our life, then listen to me, it shouldn't be in secret. People ought to be. People ought to know. Hey, they are Christians. Why? Because you know, Sunday mornings their car isn't in the driveway. They don't talk the way that uh, the world talks. They don't act the way the world talks. If I need something, I know I can count on them. They're faithful. They're dependable. Christians ought to be different than the world. And I tell you, what makes the difference in a Christian is not because they're good people. It's because Jesus makes the difference in people's lives. When he's a reality to us, listen to me, he will be seen and it will be resignated. You don't even really have to say anything. People just know that you're a Christian. You know, you know sometimes, and it happens to me probably five times out of ten when I'm at a, at a restaurant, my family and I will be sit there and we'll, right before we get our food, we'll pray. Someone will come up to me and say, you guys Christians... Anybody else ever have that happen to them? I'm sure most, a lot of people have. Are you guys Christians? Why? Because we pray before our food. Why? Because we're not ashamed of being Christians. That's what it's about, folks. It's, we can't be ashamed. Hey, 
Shout it from the rooftops. I'm proud to be saved. I'm, I'm proud of the fact that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. His presence will be resonated in our hearts and in our houses. It's noise that He is in your house. If we want to win our family and our friends to the Lord, His presence must be a reality. It must be resonated in our, in our lives. But also His presence will bring results. You know what? I believe when God is in the place, the, notice there in verse 2, it says, And straightway many were gathered together, and so much there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as the door about the door, and he preached the word unto them. I tell you what, the place was packed. You know what, folks? I, I believe we need to have the power of God in our lives. We need to have the presence of God in our lives that this house, this church house, would be full. You know what? God says, go into the highway and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be full. But that's not going to happen if God's not... His presence isn't a reality in our lives. We can invite, we can encourage, but if His, His presence isn't a reality, it isn't going to be in real in nobody else's life either. But also, not only the sanctuary be packed, but also salvation will be preached. Notice there in verse 2 again, it says, And He preached the word unto them. John 12, 32 says, And if I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. Folks, it's not our responsibility. Again, it's not our responsibility to save anybody. We don't have that power. It's our responsibility. It's our commission. It's our command from God Almighty to go out into the world and, and compel them, talk to them and encourage them, invite them to come into the house of God. But then sin will be pardoned when God is a reality. Look there in verse 5. It says, And when Jesus saw their faith... He said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. You know what? The people be getting saved when God is present in our lives. There's going to be, there's going to, there's, they're going to leave changed. You know, people that come in contact with the Lord and that God saved them, there was a change that came about their lives. They weren't the same that they used to be. I may not be all that I should be, but I know I'm not what I was. God made that change in my life. It is the presence of Jesus that makes the difference in our lives. There are many bushes in the desert, but Moses' attention was drawn to one because God was there. There were uh, many wells in Israel, but Taurus traveled to Jacob's well because of the presence of Jesus brought living water to that wicked woman. His presence is what makes the difference in our lives. If, if we want to win our family and our friends to the Lord, His presence needs to be a reality in our lives. And we need His presence to be seen. Folks, I'm talking about winning our friends and our families. If they don't see the reality that Jesus is real to you, they aren't going to want it. They're not going to want it. But then I want you to notice the priority of Jesus. Notice the priority. Look there in verse 3. It says, And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. You know, these men, they had a priority to meet with Jesus. They had, their priority was whatever it took to get their friend to the Lord. You see, what, what happened? They were concerned. I wonder if we're truly concerned about the lost. Oh, we say it. We say, oh, I, I, oh, souls need to be saved. But what are we doing? Do we truly have a concern like these men? They, they, you know what? These, these, they weren't going to let anything stop them from getting to the Lord. Lost people are dashing madly toward hell right now all across the world. And we rarely shed a tear. We rarely often, we rarely offer a prayer for their souls, and we rarely pass out tracts, and we rarely try to win them to Christ. I'm not trying to be mean, or I'm trying to encourage you to do more for Christ. How many believe that the days are approaching? Yeah, the day is approaching. The day is approaching. You say, What day? I'm talking about the return of the Lord. 
The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. God's calling us out. I, I'm not saying that you got to go out 10 hours a day and pass out tracks, but I'm saying this. Get a, some, a load of tracks, get a bunch of tracks, and invite people to church and say, hey, this is some good news about heaven. Do as much as you can now because, listen to me, night is drawing nigh when no man can work. It's coming close, and we need to get busy about serving the Lord. They were concerned, but also they were convinced Notice there in verse 5 it says, and when, they, and when Jesus saw their faith, they were absolutely convinced all they had to do was get their friend to Jesus. Now think about this. Let's, reply, let's put it in our lives. We have lost loved ones, friends. You know what all we have to do? If we're truly convinced, all we have to do is get them to Jesus. Just show them, hey, here's, here's Jesus' reality to me. You know what? Jesus made a difference in that man's life. He made a difference in that. They were convinced that all they had, they had faith. But then, number three, they were committed. The Bible says in verse 3, And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where it was. Now you think about this. You get the picture here. They couldn't because there were so many people in the place. They couldn't get through. So they said, you know what? Let's give up. Let's throw in a towel. It's too hard. It's too difficult. My friends are that they'll never trust God. I mean, uh, they're they're a bunch of they're a bunch of bikers. They're never going to trust God. That's what we have this mentality. I'm just telling you, it's it's a fact. We think, well, they're rough. We got a we got a Harley driver over here that uh, loves God more than many people in this world. I love Brother Jimmy. We have this, this ex, We have these, uh, these thoughts that, hey, they're too tough. <laughs> my friend, you don't know what my, you don't know what my family members do. You don't know, Pastor. You just don't know. Can I tell you? God can make a difference in their lives too. There's no one too difficult for God. <laughs> what you're saying is, when you give up on your friends, you're saying, God can't do it. In reality. The fact of the matter is God can. And God may be using you as an instrument to get that family member, that friend, to the Lord. They were committed. Folks, how committed are you? How committed are you to tell your friends, your loved ones about the Lord? Do you give up after the first time? Do you say, you know what? They've told me no so many times. Keep Pressing on. I'm not saying be mean and arrogant, and I'm saying show them the love of God. Share with them those things. And I, I I'm telling you, your job is, is over after you do that. You just keep being faithful and committed, and the Holy Spirit will do His work. No obstacle would stop them. No problem would keep them from reaching their goal. They had, uh, though they had to take the roof apart to let down their friend on ropes, they did what was necessary. You know what? It may be necessary that you may have to pick up your friend, your family member, to get them to the Lord. It may be necessarily, hey, that you say, hey, won't you come to church with me and we'll go out to dinner Afterwards, and just talk about the service, talk about the Lord. What I'm trying to say is be committed to this seeing your friends come to the Lord. But not, not only was the priority of the men, but notice the priority of the Messiah. No, the, although the men that was brought, the man that was brought to the Lord was paralyzed, the first response of the Savior was not to heal his physical disease but to cleanse his sin. Notice there in verse 5 it says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. There are, Jesus emphasized the spiritual over the physical. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, but there's, we've been praying for some time for Kenny Johnson. This is Miss Kimberly's uh, brother-in-law. Been praying sometime. He's got a lot of health issues. And I say this every time. More important than his health issues is that he needs to trust in Jesus. I saw him yesterday. I sat and talked with him a little bit yesterday. I've been just trying to witness to him a little bit more yesterday. And 
And uh, you can see the layers just kind of breaking off. And God's doing a work, I believe. And uh, he's going to be having surgery here in a few, uh, couple weeks. And I asked him, I said, is it okay if I come and have prayer with you? And, and, and before the surgery, he said, man, I'd like that. God's breaking some walls down, I think. And I, I, I have faith, and I, I'm, not, I'm committed to this thing. I want to see him get saved before it's eternally too late. My heart breaks for him. I pray for him. When's the last time, folks? When's the last time you got serious and started praying for your lost loved ones and friends? Jesus emphasizes spiritual over the physical. There are many people who are on our prayer list. We, we pray for general requests. We pray for a physical request and, and unspoken requests. But the most important need on our prayer list is those that need to be saved. The Bible says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. The Bible says, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give his life a ransom for many. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Jesus not only emphasized the spiritual over the physical, but Jesus emphasized the individual over the multitude. Though a great crowd had gathered around near him, he turned from them to help one man. See, we need to realize the value of one. Sometimes we, we, we say, oh, you know, and, and I know that there's been mission trips and we hear uh, Brother uh, Waller and uh, Brother uh, Cook, which is our missionary of the week this week, and we hear some of the times they hear, we hear two, three hundred, four hundred people get saved in their and their evangelistic activities. And we praise the Lord and we think, oh, praise God, and, and we should. But then we hear someone that gets saved in a funeral. One person gets saved and we think, well, praise God. God, that's, we need to rejoice in that one just as much as we rejoice in that 400 that got saved. The value of one. You know what? We need to put a, a great value on one. I tell you this, I'm going to challenge each one of you to minister to one person but I'm asking God to put one person on your heart that needs to be saved. And you pray for that person. You be committed to that person. You say, you say God, I'm not going to let an obstacle. I'm not going to let anything. As Lord, you open the doors that I can minister this person. God puts that one person on your heart. And, and you pray for them daily. Pray for them. Lord, save them. Save them. Do a work in their lives. And then once they get saved, because we believe they will... Once they get saved, you know what? You'll rejoice with a great rejoicing. But then after that, then you say, God, give me somebody else to put on my heart. Sometimes we say, oh, I want to lead a bunch of people to the Lord. Focus on one. The value of one. See, I heard a song that always has encouraged me. It says, I'm not going to sing it. I'm going to save your ears. But it says this, the preachers are weary. The singers are tired. The church as we know it is losing its fire. And some are uh, discouraged from bearing the load, but we must be determined, be determined to keep pressing on. Because if just one more soul were to walk down the aisle, it would be worth every struggle, it would be worth every mile. A lifetime of labor is still worth it all if it rescues just one more soul. So preachers keep on preaching and singers go sing and laymen keep singing, sharing that Jesus is king. The angels have gathered. They're surrounded, surrounding the throne and they'll start rejoicing for just one more soul. The Bible says this in Luke 15, 7, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over the ninety and nine just persons which needeth no repentance. The Spirit of God sent Philip from a great revival in Samaria so that one man on the road of Gaza could, could hear the gospel and the Lord Jesus save him. The Bible tells us that a shepherd boy who left 99 sheep in the wilderness to seek one, that was a she separated from the flock. The importance, the value of one. If we would want to win our fam family and our friends to the Lord, then they need to see His presence in our presence. They need to see His priority as our priority. Number three, the last thing is, 
you notice the power of Jesus. Look there in verse 10 and 11. It says, But they, that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. Can I tell you that the availability of his power is available to us today? Jesus was able to heal uh, the paralyzed man. He was able to help every need of every person in the world. I tell you, I can't do those things. We, we hear of on TV uh, preachers and things like that that they send so much money and I'll send you a prayer cloth and I'll, I'll pray for you and there you'll just be healed. Folks, we don't have that power. We can't do that. But can I tell you this, that God can touch someone. God can touch someone and, and heal them. But I can't, and neither can you. It's all that power comes from the Lord. This faith seems to refer not only to the men who brought the sick man in, but to the sick man himself. It is faith that accesses the power of God. Although God's power is available to all, it is accessible only to those who believe Him and act upon his word. The Bible says, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The Bible says, if ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. We see the availability of his power, the accessibility of his power, and the authentication of his power. Look there in verses 8 through 11. It says, And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. What Jesus did for that sick man on that uh, on the outside was the authentication of what he had already done on the inside. God had healed him on the inside. The most important thing is not our physical, but the spiritual. And God saved him on the inside. And then he said, take up thy bed and walk. You notice first he said, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But secondly, he said, take up thy bed and walk. Showing the, showing the importance of our spirit, our soul, more than of our physical bodies. D.L. Moody once challenged, was challenged to abate with an atheist. He accepted the challenge with one stipulation. He said, I want, to bring, uh, I want you to bring to me every person that, that, whose life has been changed by the power of atheism. He said, I want you to bring me those who were drunkards until they became atheists and now are sober. He said, those who live lives, their lives were broken but uh, have been made whole by believing in atheism. Those who have become better husbands and fathers since they've turned to atheism. He says, That's, I'll, I'll take that challenge, but you show me all that you know of. that Their lives have been changed because of atheism. You see, that's not what's going to change people's lives, is it? Jesus makes a change in our lives. It's Jesus that makes the difference. If you want to win your family and your friends to the Lord, they need to see His presence in your life. They need to see His priority as your priority. We need to trade our power for His power, folks. We can't do it, but He can. I read of a man that served on many difficult missions in the years in the French Legion, uh, Foreign Legion. There was one mission that was so heart-wrenching that he had to do something. He was working in a camp in Rwanda, uh, refugees. And the refugees were dying at such a rate that the mission had changed to public health. They had to take a 15-ton bulldozer and they dug graves that, uh, and shoved the masses of bodies into the graves before the sickness could infect all the rest of the living. The stench was so bad that the men were fa they wore face masks doused with, uh, with shaving cream to try to cut the smell, but it still was so bad. One day, this man noticed in the mass of these tangled uh, corpses 
a hand that was waving. He shouted orders for the bulldozers to stop and he picked his way through those dead bodies and found a little boy who was still alive. The little boy was taken to the clinic and though his physical health improved, his mental health did not he, never, he didn't speak a word for a long time. Eventually, this man decided to give the young man a ride to, in his Jeep and maybe uh, the fresh air. Maybe it was the special attention. Maybe it was something else. But the boy began to be animated. He began to talk. He told of his seeing his mother and his father and his sisters and his brothers die. He developed a strong attachment to the boy this man did and ultimately decided with the agreement of his wife that he was going to adopt this young child. He told him, as our son, you will have all the privileges of our other children. One, Jesus, one day Jesus saw my hand reaching out in desperation. And though the tangled masses of decaying humanity, he, through all that, he brought me to the good news of his salvation. He reached down and took me out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a solid rock. Can I tell you something? It was Jesus that saved me, but it was a friend that encouraged me to come to church. It was a friend that invited me to come. It was a friend that led me to the Lord. Friends make a difference in people's lives. Through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this morning. What kind of friend are you? What kind of friend are you? I know, that's, I know it's tough. But listen. What really matters in life. Is not how much money you make. It's not how big of a house you have. And how nice of vehicles you have. It isn't all about. How many friends you have. What's important in life. Is that you serve the Lord. That you live for Him. I ask you again. I'm going to challenge you. As I know that God has put upon your heart. Because I've asked the Lord to speak to your hearts this morning. Each and every one of your hearts this morning. God has put someone on your heart that's lost. And I'm going to ask that you would pray for that person. That you would be committed to that person. To pray for them every day. And try to be a light. You can't save them. God can Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Friends bring friends to the Lord. Yes. Sure. The last few days, that's what the Lord has put on my heart, is the last few verses of Matthew, where he's saying that my yoke is light, my burden is light, you know, take, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And, you know, I got to thank him. All the Lord asked me to do is just tell people. That's the only work. You know, there's men throughout the scripture that he's raised up like Moses and them to, to do great works. But all he's asked me to do is tell people about him. Amen. So that's that's easy work. You know, for what he's done for me. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Appreciate that testimony. That's all God that's all God has challenged us to do. You say, but I'm scared. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. You know what? This is what you say. You know what the Apostle Paul did? He says, I was on the road to Damascus. I don't know what. I just know that Jesus saved me. You tell about your salvation. Tell about what Jesus did for you. That's your testimony. Make it real in your life. And I tell you, when you share that with people, and they say, there, is, there has been a change in your life. It will make a difference. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, maybe you hear this morning, you say, Pastor, I don't even know for sure you were talking about salvation. You were talking about winning our friends to the Lord. I don't even know for sure if I was, go, if I was to die today, I'd go to heaven. I don't have that assurance. I've got some questions. I just don't know for sure. Pastor, would you pray for me? I just don't know for sure. I've got some questions. I just don't know for sure I'd go to heaven when I die. No one else is looking around, just me. Would you raise your hand? Anyone like that? Pray for me, Pastor. I just don't know for sure. Anyone? Maybe you're here this morning. You say, Pastor, I'm saved, but I haven't been the witness that I should be. I haven't been that vessel of honor that God just called me to be. Pastor, pray for me. I realized this morning I need to be a better witness. Hands across the room, yes. Hands across, yes. I need to be a better witness. 
Now I'm going to ask one more question before I ask you to just be obedient to the Lord. Did God put someone on your heart today? A friend? A family member? A loved one? I don't know. But God put someone on your heart today. Would you raise your hand? I just want you someone. God put someone on your heart. All right. Thank you. I'm going to ask if God put someone on your heart today. I'm not looking for uh, notches in my belt or anything like that. All I'm asking is that you be obedient to the Lord. And if God put someone on your heart today, I'm going to ask you during the invitation time that you would just come find a place at the altar and pray for that person. Make it a commitment to God. Lord, you can save this person. You can make a difference in this person's life. Lord, use me. Hear my, Lord, send me. Lord, let me be a light in this dark world. I'm going to challenge you just to be obedient to God. If God talked to you in any, spoke to your heart in any other way, I'm going to challenge you just to find a place at the altar. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I do thank you again for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, I thank you for how you've challenged me to be a better witness to my friends and my family members. Lord, to just, uh, Lord, to share what you've done in my life. Lord, I pray that there's there's some that may uh, not be saved this morning. Lord, I pray that you would convict them of their need of salvation. They would be saved before it's eternally too late. There are some that raise their hands that they that you put upon their heart. Someone. And Lord, I pray that you would use them. Use them, I, I pray, in a great mighty way. Lord, thank you for what you're going to do. We'll, we'll give you all the praise and the glory that honor comes from it. In Jesus' name.